Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. Yeah, now we're in. We're supposed to be. This is. Um, we, we've been talking about entrepreneurship, and entrepreneurship is. What do you think that means to be an entrepreneur? Start your own business. Yeah, and so probably the simplest definition that we talked about uh, on Tuesday is this willingness to take a risk, and you may remember us talking about factors of production which are things like human capital, land, labor, uh, these, these things, these inputs that we use to create outputs. And anytime that you go into a business venture, you are expending some form of, some factor of production in order to make it. My dad, uh, many years ago now, uh, opened a car lot and they bought the, the piece of property to do it, which was a use of capital, cash, and then they turned around and had to put some human capital in it, labor, to paint it up and clean it up and prepare it. And then we had to get human capital to run it. You know, I worked there for a while. And uh, it took actual uh, items or goods to be able to sell. So we had to go out and get some inventory, some cars. And so all that are these sunk costs that we put into a business. And once you put those in there, you know, a lot of times you can't get it back. I mean, once you work a day, you can't get that day back. And so you're risking the effort that you put into it that it's going to lead to somewhere. And so there's all these different types of uh, entrepreneurs, classic, who are risk takers, multipreneurs. They have I'm going to start a company, then I'm going to build it up and have it running, and then I'm going to go start another company, build it up, have it running, and then I'm going to start another company. And this idea that if I've got two or three or a dozen companies going and they're all making money, I'll have multiple streams of income, and it will just lead to more and more wealth and prosperity for me. And then entrepreneurs are these individuals that they have a lot of good ideas, but they may not have the capital or the uh, willingness to take personal risks. So they work within a umbrella company to do innovative, innovative things. So imagine that I work for a entrepreneur and the entrepreneur is very much a risk taker. He's willing to, you know, he or she's willing to do, uh, you know, kind of jump into the deep end. And I go say to this person, I've got an idea for a company. I don't have the resources. Let's say that you fund the starting of this company It'll be, you know, kind of our co-thing, but mainly yours. You know, I'm going to kind of work, but I'll get a piece of it because I'm going to run it. And, you know, you kind of exist underneath the umbrella of the parent company. That kind of stuff happens often. So why become an entrepreneur? There's a lot of different reasons and motivations. Uh, Some people see an unmet need. They feel like there's a gap in the market that they can fill. And so if Goldsboro... Let's just say Goldsboro had 10 restaurants and they were all hamburger and hot dog joints, right? Somebody looked at that and said, there needs to be a taco stand somewhere around here or there needs to be a seafood restaurant, right? And so there needs to be a sandwich shop, uh, maybe a pizza joint. And so entrepreneurs look at that and they say, there's an opportunity there. Uh, Anybody like Chick-fil-A? 
I'm a fan. I go, you know, probably once or twice a month. But the problem with Chick-fil-A is they're always busy, right? You go in there, they're, they're, even though they get through the line pretty quickly, and I've said for a long time, uh, why don't they open another Chick-fil-A somewhere else in Goldsboro, you know, and put it, you know, other side of town somewhere and kind of uh, divide and conquer, you know, having, having some of the people on that side of town go over there. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I know it's a big investment to do that. Uh, but, you know, he's, whoever the owner is obviously doing something right. So they don't want to interfere with uh, what's, what they're doing that's winning. So, but yeah, challenge of building a business is one desire. Um, control their own destiny. Yeah, that's a double-edged sword. All of these are. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to choose your own destiny. The good news is that you are your own boss. The downside is that uh, it's 100% dependent on you. Nobody's telling you to get up in the morning. Nobody's compelling you to show up to a classroom to give a lecture, for example. You have to be a self-starter, somebody that says, okay, I've got this, this, and this that I have to do today. And if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. It's got to be done. And so financial independence, you're not waiting on a employer to give you a check. You've got your own uh, cash flow that you work with. Frustration of working for somebody else. Personal satisfaction with their work and creating a lifestyle they want. So opportunities, that's the main underlying uh, principle of entrepreneurship. You're looking for opportunities. And so there's a bunch of different character traits that entrepreneurs possess. Um, They're ambitious, independent, self-confident, a risk-taker, visionary. They're creative, energetic, passionate, and committed. That's not all-inclusive, though. There could be other characteristics that entrepreneurs possess. These are just kind of the high points. Um, entrepreneurs, I find, especially really like successful entrepreneurs, they're very alpha, meaning that uh, they have an ego, they have chips on their shoulders, they like to be in charge, they like to dominate, take control. Um, I listened to a great podcast yesterday with a guy named Michael Saylor, who is the CEO and founder of a company called MicroStrategy. And the guy started the company from nothing. Um, he worked for, he was a uh, grad student doing some modeling on, basically he was looking at what would happen uh, through large transaction in the oil industry. He, and this company that was paying him to do this needed an output quickly. So he said, you know, I'm gonna start my own company and to do this type of work. And I need a quarter million dollars to get started, and you'll, you'll kind of give me that money to fund it. And he got it. He got a quarter million dollars to start his own company. And he, the company that paid for that to happen needed that output for him because that output was contingent on over a billion-dollar oil contract deal. And so uh, he started that, that company, and then he went through and told the story of how every two or three years their, their outputs just doubled and um, their revenues doubled. And so um, he got to a point now where he's, I mean, multi, multi-millionaire. And I could just tell from listening to him talk, he was just a very kind of dominant personality, very energetic, very, um, he had an ego, but he wasn't very smug. I mean, he seemed to have some humbleness about him, but you've got to have this passion, this drive, uh, and some uh, confidence in uh, what, you're, what you're doing. And you see self-confidence is one of the attributes. And so small business, um, this is the kind of dominant force in our U.S. economy. Most businesses are classified as small business. 
And that's, it's good that we have the freedom in this country to start a business if we choose to. If you work uh, in the food industry for a while and you said, you know what, I've learned how to cook really well. I've been cooking you know, pizzas or whatever for a long time. I think I can open up my own shop and do very well with it. Doesn't have to doesn't have to be huge, but I can do a very small little setup and sell really, really good quality stuff and people will turn out for it. And you never know what could happen, you know. So um, the good thing with that is you 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 kind of control your own destiny. You know, you get up and you make it happen and uh nobody's kind of holding that over you. You know, you're not waiting on a boss to give you a paycheck. So um so small businesses play important roles in the U.S. economy. Half of economic output, employment uh, is, is half in private sector workforce. So they're, they're a really big chunk of the workforce and outputs. Um, startup activity has risen sharply over the last three years from an all-time low of minus 0.87 in 2013 to a positive 0.48 in 2016. So these numbers are a little dated at this point. be interesting to see what they are for like 2019, but um, for the first time, mainstream entrepreneurial activity was higher in 2016 than before the onset of the Great Recession. This increase was driven by a jump in business survival rates with reaching a three-decade high of 48.7%. So um, nearly half of new businesses are making it to the fifth year of operation, which is a good thing. I mean, the failure rates on businesses is about a coin flip at this point. So... If you open a business, depending on your skills, the market, the product, the service, you've got about a 50-50 chance of making it three years. And so that's actually pretty good odds. And the great thing about it is you can control how the coin lands, you know, on that flip. It's all about effort. And I'll say this too. The funny thing about business is you can do everything right and still go out of business. There are elements outside of your control, but you do have some influence in how that goes. So 47% of U.S. businesses have been in business for 11 or more years. That's a very strong statistic. In 2016, about 25% of all employing firms had revenues, revenues over $1 million, but 2% had revenues under $10,000. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to classify what we consider small business. The Small Business Administration has some specific metrics that they use in order to classify businesses as small businesses in order to make them eligible for funding. So estimates range from $5 million to over $22 million, depending on the size limits used to define small business. Um, and so what's the best way to go about starting your own business? From scratch, uh, buying existing businesses or buying a franchise? 75% involve brand new organizations, meaning not a franchise. We're just going to start, you know, whatever we want to call it. Um, <clears throat> the great thing about sole proprietorships in this country is that you can declare any, any day of the week that I'm going to go into business and this is what my business is, and that's it. That's, that is the business is formed at that moment, at that thought. So any day of the week you want to say, I want to start doing, you know, painting houses or, or doing a, car, a portable car wash service or uh, doing some type of um, craft service or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, some people, I saw this one small business that this uh, lady, she makes custom knitting uh, for like appliances and stuff around the house. So you can get like a knitted cover for like your, your Xbox, you know, or so like, you know how like 
back in the day, people that had typewriters, they had these plastic covers over their typewriter to keep dust from getting in them. Same concept, you know, you kind of cover your system to keep it from getting debris and dust in it and stuff. So, But she also knits um, the Nintendo Switch has a dock that you can sit the system into, and she knitted a a cover for the dock so it wouldn't scratch when the, the system went into the dock. So, yeah, and she sells those on an Etsy store. I thought that was neat. I've seen people that, um, a recent one I saw, this guy is a knife maker. He's a, he's a, I guess a metal worker, and he'll, he'll make custom knives for people and sell them online. And some of these knives are pretty expensive, several hundred dollars for a custom piece that you want done a certain way. Uh, but just, uh, I think that's very cool that people do that stuff and, and make a, a nice either um, full-time living or a nice part-time side income. So there's some steps that are outlined up here, like getting started, finding the idea, choosing the form of business you want to go into, having a business plan, financing the business, uh, buying, and then ris risky business. So um, the first step when getting started is you want to vet the idea. First step, so you want to do an assessment. Before you start on your own small business, consider the following checklist. Identify the reasons why do I want to start a business and why this business? Why is this a viable idea? And so to me, I'm not saying this is a bad idea, but the idea of opening another hamburger joint in Goldsboro doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Why do you think that is? There's so many, yeah. So within a mile of here, you've got PTs, Hardee's, McDonald's, Wendy's, Andy's or Highway 55, and there's probably two or three more that I'm not even thinking of, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of burger joints. And so, so the next let's say, okay, I'm gonna open a pizza joint. Well, that's not a good idea either. Right down the road, we got Pizza Hut. We got the Papa Murphy's, right? There's Domino's and Papa John's all over the place. There's uh, uh, Brooklyn Pizzeria, you know, and I'm sure there's more. So that's kind of saturated. And so I said, well, what about a Mexican food place? Oh, we've got all kinds of places like that. So, yeah, I mean, if I was going to open a food place, I need to do something different, like some type of fusion food that uh, you can only get it at this one place. You know, this is it, you know. Um, i tell you what we need more of is places that do like home cooking, home style, like, like ribs and chicken and stuff like that. Like, well, not necessarily, but just really good char-grilled food, charcoal. Like, um, anytime I cook at home, my dad and I, like, um, are connoisseurs. I'm not, I mean, we don't do this very often, but uh, if we get some, like, if we're going to cook grilled chicken, for example, we'll get, like, you know, leg quarters, and we'll bake them for a couple hours, They'll be real tender, and then we'll season them and bake them, and then light the charcoal and let them kind of crisp up on the charcoal. By the time you bring them in, you can like put some little bit of barbecue sauce on them, or whatever. But they're very tender, a little crispy on the outside, and just have this great flavor. I'm thinking, you can't get chicken anywhere, anywhere out to eat that tastes like this. Nowhere. I've never. I mean, maybe you can in like Tennessee and Texas or somewhere like that, but in the counties around here that I've been to. I don't know anybody that does food like that. And ribs is the same way. You, you know, season them, bake them, or broil them, however you want to do it. And then uh, grill them for a little while, get them a little crispy on the outside, tender on the inside. Yeah, you can't, you can't get that. So uh, why, won't you, why don't people sell 
something like that. You know, start a, start a business that just specializes in uh, either that type of food or some type of um, Southern Asian fusion or something. I don't know. You know, something something different. You know, that you want to find a niche that you can fit into. So you, you ask the reasons why this business, why do I want to be an entrepreneur? Um, what kind of skills do I bring to that? Just because I have an idea, am I able to make it work in a way that, uh, like a lot of people can't afford to quit their job and go start a business. They, I mean, some can, some don't have a choice. Maybe they lose their job and they say, I'm gonna go to business, so here's, here we go. But, uh, you know, you need to figure out, is it a viable option, whatever it is. Conduct market research. You know, what does that involve? So you can uh, do surveys. You can, you can do a couple different ones, you know, collect data a couple different ways. Post surveys on Facebook to ask people for feedback. Um, you know, go talk to people on street corners. Go, you know, just try to collect as much data as you can to get a sense of what people are in, interested in. There's this magic number for lunch. Uh, it's about ten bucks. If like if you spend more than ten dollars on lunch, I think that's getting expensive. But ten dollars and under is 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 I think uh, a kind of a sweet spot for people for lunch. And so. I think um, it would be cool to have like a food truck concept called 10. And you go up there, 10 bucks, you get a plate and a drink. And it's all inclusive, tax included in that price. And so I think that's, that's a concept, you know. And you have a very limited menu, you know, like there's only going to be a couple varieties of what you can get, and that's it. So, um, and then so plan your startup, write a business plan. Yeah, all this is like, I'll, I'll say this, if you ever decide to open a business, the it's exciting. It's like having a new baby, you know, like, oh, the baby's coming, I'm excited, you know. You start picking out all these things, you know, you start thinking about names, and it very much is an exciting time to open a business. Um, there's just all these different things that go in your head, it's the creative juices start flowing, but there's also a lot of back-end management that you have to do even with a baby, right? So if a baby's coming, you, all the exciting stuff's on the front end, but then you think, I gotta get up at two o'clock in the morning to feed the baby, I gotta get up at six to feed the baby, you know, change the baby, change the baby, change the baby, feed it again, you know, so like, it's just a, there's a lot of management that goes into that baby or that business. And so writing a business plan is a great way to slow down, tap the brakes a little bit, and make sure that you're doing things correctly. And also, you can share that business plan with somebody like uh, the Small Business Center here or go talk to the Chamber of Commerce and get people to vet your business plan to see if it's a viable concept. Because a business plan can really explain to others what you're trying to accomplish and give them a sense of uh, if it's a good idea or not. And they can really take at it and find holes in it and say, well, I see all this information you provided, but have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? And it gives uh, those other people uh, insight into what you're trying to communicate and trying to do, trying to accomplish, and they could give you good feedback. And then lastly, the money. How are you gonna fund this business? And so like if we did start that food truck concept, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting it with less than 20,000. Uh, I think that's like absolute minimum because you got to buy the truck to begin with. That's half your money at least. You're talking ten, ten to thirteen thousand minimum, probably somewhere in that for a used truck that's going to need some work on it. And then you say you spend probably two thousand dollars getting it 
like cleaned up, you know, detailed out and prepped. So out of 20 grand, you're down to five, right? And so now uh, you need some cooking equipment, you need some food. And so money did disappear as quickly, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, you have to, to go through all this. So you're going to put up $20,000 of risk. You're going to put up all this time and effort uh, and just hope that it's going to work out. And what happens if you open up your first day and you cook a thousand dollars worth of food and nobody shows up, you know? So that, those, these are things that, you know, these are hard, uh, things that you have to kind of go through, but like, but that's part of the plan that helps you do that. Like if I was going to do this for real, uh, I would have several soft launches. I wouldn't say, okay, we're open one day. I would say, you know, we're going to have a party, on this day kind of the soft launch and invite some key people to come to our soft launch and they can try it out and talk it up and share it you know on on facebook and i would make them like kind of the these soft parties that i would do where i'm giving away food and let people try it they would be my feedback people they would be my army so to speak of people that would talk about it on facebook share it on instagram share it on twitter get people to know Hey, Ryan's got a, a new barbecue truck. That's that's really the bomb. You need to come check check it out, and uh, start you know trying to go through a rotation of you know throughout the the week, six days a week. You're probably gonna have to run it six days a week at least, uh, maybe seven depending on what's up. But I can see it running Monday through Friday, then on Saturday too. You know, and so uh, and maybe you do something special on Saturday. I don't know. So, uh, but uh, so just you know you have to. There's a lot of um, trial and error in this thing you know like you want to reduce that error as much as you can but there is going to be some trial and error to any new business because some things will work some things won't work you have to refine it there's a great story um with uh regards to mcdonald's have anybody seen the founder the founder about mcdonald's you haven't seen it it's on netflix now if you get a chance to watch it um the guys who started the, the McDonald's Corporation or the McDonald Brothers, they started in movie theaters. They bought a movie theater. They show and film. Then they could, Then they went to drive-ins. That was the concept. That didn't work out. And then they said, well, we're going to open a drive-in restaurant type thing, you know. And it worked kind of, but the problem was it took too long to prep the food because back in that time, people would go dr- walk up to a drive-in or have a – server come out they would order like you would order in a restaurant they had to wait for them to cook it and so they saw problems in that operation and so they realized after some analysis that only five or ten items on their menu were really really selling you know that was their top five or ten items the other 90 percent of their menu wasn't being ordered and that's food costs that you're having to buy that stuff with and just sit on it right throwing it out not using it and so they said we need to throw, get rid of all this other stuff, refine our menu down to a top, you know, five or ten items, and focus on doing those five or ten really, really well. And so they invented this process called the Speedy System, in which they basically just cooked burgers, fries, and made milkshakes. They made a few other variants, but for the most part, burgers, fries, milkshake. And so now the the trick was when you went to order, within thirty seconds of your ordering, they had your food to you because they were just constantly pumping out fries, burgers, and milkshakes. And so, yeah, they just had that stuff on a assembly line, basically. And they developed this assembly process within their little restaurant. And when Ray Kroc came to visit, 
he was blown away. Ray Kroc was the guy that eventually bought him out and took over McDonald's and on and you know became the owner. And he was blown away by that. He'd never experienced anything like his life. He said, "You guys are sitting on a million dollar idea. We need to make this happen." And Ray had he had trial and error failed a bunch of different times in life, and he needed this to work. And he kind of deceived the McDonald's brothers. He started a, a, a not a competing company, but he started a company to buy up property assets to lease to McDonald's franchisees. And that created uh, a situation where he basically had the McDonald's brothers in the corner and he was able to buy them out. So really interesting movie. I highly recommend it. Good for business students to watch. So finding an idea, 80% get ideas for their company while working in the same or related industry. There is several different forms of ownership, sole proprietor, partnership, corporation, or LLC. Sole proprietor, you can start that today. Hey, I'm a sole proprietor. Here we go. This is what I'm doing. Partnership is a legal agreement to be partners with somebody else, and you have to predetermine how that's going to work. Sometimes a partner will put in money. The other partner will run it for a percentage. And so a corporation is a is kind of the top shelf business structure. Uh, they're the most complex. That, you can still own a corporation as an individual, but there's some more paperwork and compliance you have to go through. It's not that difficult, uh, but there are tax advantages and tax disadvantages to both. That's really what it comes down to. And so, in fact, you'll see tax considerations listed in there. So, uh, very briefly, if you're a sole proprietor, any money that you generate is taxable to you as an individual for income tax. So let's say normally in a year at your primary job you make $40,000. You're taxed on that 40. Well, let's say you start up a sec a company on the side to generate some extra money and because you started that company, uh, you generate another $60,000 in revenue. Well, they're going to say, "Well, guess what? Now you make $100,000, so you're going to pay a lot of taxes on that money." And if you didn't plan correctly and you spent a lot of that money from your first year, you're going to still owe those taxes and the government's going to come after you. So that could be a little intimidating and scary. So partnership still tax at the individual level. So instead of the money flowing to you, it flows to both you and your partner or partners and it's still taxed at the individual level. So there's no really tax shelter there from that. Um, the corporation is a different animal. What happens there is the corporation retains all that revenue itself. So that's another entity over there. It retains that revenue and it's taxed on that revenue at the corporate rates. And then if you decide to take money from the corporation in the, in the, uh, in the, by means of any type of payment or compensation, then that is taxable at the individual rates. I know that sounds boring, but it's super important because uh, when you, as you get older and start to do things like this and get into business and uh, management or entrepreneurship, these types of things can save you a lot of heartache and money. If you, it's all about picking the right structure. An LLC does nothing for you from a tax standpoint. It still flows through and still taxes at the individual level, but. The big benefit is uh, it does limit your liability if something goes wrong. Um, you're not 100% accountable for damages if something happens. You know, So there are some uh, pros and cons to each one of these. You see the very, very bottom note, smart to seek advice from attorney, accountant, and other owners. So you want to seek out uh, either legal or tax accountant 
uh, advice before doing this. I've already talked about the business plan uh, on Tuesday, but just to recap, you want to have a, a solid business plan to validate what you're doing. You want to be able to explain to somebody why this will work. And if you can't explain it, then who can explain it, right? I mean, if you can't understand how the numbers are going to work, how revenue is going to happen, how you're going to make money, if you don't know that, then you probably shouldn't do it. You need to know the answer to how it's going to work. Uh, and a lot of businesses, especially big business, will open their doors and they'll lose money for a couple of years. You know, they might lose millions uh, their first couple of years. But the idea is once they get to scale, that's the magic words, once they get to scale and they're able to have a lot of customers, they're able to lower their cost because of scale, uh, that will lead to good outcomes. And so um, it, uh, this business plan allows you to consider the what ifs. So financing, there's basically two forms. You can either, uh, well, three, we'll say three. You can either uh, get money from a partner or from family and friends, or you can sell ownership in your company, so stock, or you can borrow from a bank or a lender. And so a couple different ways to raise money. The best way, in my opinion, is to save. Save your own money. So like, let's say you want to open a business. Well, you say, I'm going to have a five-year plan. You think that sounds like a long time, but it's not really that long. And it gives you time to refine your idea uh, and vet it to see if it would really be a good idea. Um, and so let's say I'm going to save $100 a month. You know, it doesn't sound like much. But and then I'm gonna, on top of that $100, I'm going to go out and get a side job where I can make $300 a month. So you got $400 a month that's going towards your business idea. Saving it up, that's about five grand a year. So over five years, that's 25000 that you've saved and put up. And at the end of which, you've got the twenty five k, maybe a little bit more with interest. Um, you get to decide, is this business idea still viable? Has it changed and modified since then? Or is it no good and I just get to keep my 25000 now and maybe something else will come up that I think is a better opportunity? So saving and investing is, is so powerful. It gives you choices and you don't have to go into debt to start a business. Buying a business is another option, uh, but there are some questions you should consider. Why is the owner selling this business? Is there some problem with it? Are they just looking to retire? I mean, so uh, how does this help me strategically? You know, if I, if I own a company that's a competitor, if I buy them, does that help me? So there's some questions you should think about. Running a business isn't as easy as it sounds. Risks are great. Over a five-year period, half, small, half of small businesses fail. So businesses close for many reasons, but not all are failures. Common reasons for closures are economic factors. Think about coronavirus this year, right? Financial causes. You can run a great operation. You can have a great business, great product, friendly staff, tremendous service. But if you have a few months of downtime with not a lot of money coming in, it can shut you down. It can just be a domino effect of... Uh, bills stacking up and you just can't keep up. So you have to declare bankruptcy. And so that, that happens, you know, and that's unfortunate. But there, if you look at the history of any great entrepreneur, they'll tell you that it, it, you'll see it's riddled with failure. So lack of experience and personal reasons. What if somebody gets sick in your family? You know, say it's just not viable to keep this business going anymore. And so start, starting or buying, you must keep the business going. Many different responsibilities like hiring, training, managing employees, 
decision-making as economic conditions change, things to consider, consultants, employees, and going global. And so I'll say that I've been a part of three startups uh, in my career. One of them, two of them were restaurants, one of them was a car lot. And it's always interesting because I, I was there before they opened the doors and saw like them, you know, kind of putting the place together and getting everything and all this stuff. It just, you know, you, you don't realize it. And I'm sure some of them had a business plan. I, well, I know, I know at least one of them probably did. The other two probably didn't. But you don't think about all the different costs associated with open business until it finally hits you in the face, you know, like just even little things like, okay, well, you got all this stuff set up, but maybe you want to have music, you know, in your, in your store or something. Or so now you got to get some type of music player or, or sound system or something. So, you know, all these little things just kind of add up. And so some outside consultants, certified public accountant, attorneys, uh, specialty consultants for marketing, employee benefits, insurance, small business center at WCC, um, outsource service like IT, payroll, customer service. There are a ton of applications now that are helping small business owners. I saw this week on Cash App, you can now start uh, processing payroll with using Cash App, and it'll pay your employees directly to Cash App. You can have their paycheck deposited to Cash App. So, do you use that, Cash App, though? Yeah. Um, do you use Cash App? I think it's a tremendous app. I, I can't, I mean, I should be a paid endorser because I, I, I recommend it a lot. But, I mean, it's a free application. You sign up for it. You link a bank card. You can add cash to it instantly. You can use Boost to save on many places that you visit. Like, we got, I think, 10% off our grocery bill uh, this, this week or this past month. And anytime we go out to eat somewhere, there's usually an app for that that you can, that you can use to add. Uh, Boost is what they call it. Um, and I don't need the service, but you can have your paycheck direct deposited to Cash App. So... You know, I think that stuff is awesome. You know, I really dig it. So, so hiring and retaining employees, important to identify costs associated with hiring, recruiting, help, uh, wanted ads, uh, extra space, taxes, and benefits. Attracting good employees can be challenging, especially for a small business. Yeah, employees that are quality workers that have credentials want big benefits. They want that uh, vacation time. They want that healthcare package, you know, things, things like they want that retirement benefit. And often small businesses can't afford to offer that to attract talent. So that can be a challenge. Employee satisfaction is key to retaining people. So how a good environment, flexible hours, employee benefit program, decision-making opportunities, sharing the profits and ownership are just a few ways. One way you can attract talent is say, you know, if you come and you're good, I'll give you a piece of the ownership. And uh, you know, based you can work out a, a structure that if you stay a year and things go well, you can, we could do this could happen. So that's just one way. So small businesses are discovering benefits of looking beyond the U.S. for market opportunities. The decision to export, driven by many factors, mainly increased sales and profits. Export requires careful planning. Small business may hire international trade consultants. Exporting trading companies provide an opportunity. The Small Business Administration's Office of International Trade website has valuable information. The Department of Commerce offers services for small businesses wanting to sell abroad. And so an uncertain economy has not stopped people from starting new companies. In fact, 85% of Americans view small business as a positive influence to American life. 
Consider the many reasons small businesses continue to thrive. Independence, personal satisfaction, success, changing technology, corporate restructuring, outsourcing jobs, and resilience. So just because the economy struggles, that still creates opportunities. You know, the, um, does anybody ever heard of this company called uh, Custom Inc.? They make T-shirts? Yeah? Well, they very quickly pivoted to face masks. Like, they stopped promoting T-shirts. They, went, they, they very much promoted the masks early in the days of the pandemic. And I know they sold a ton of them. I don't have many, but I know that there was, they would sell them by the box. So um, last slide, just to talk about the SBA. This is just a good resource for small businesses to, to use. It uh, gives you just a ton of options for funding. It talks about you know, how to write a business plan. Um, things to consider for marketing, just a really good uh, place to, to dig in and do some homework. And it leads to other external places to do more homework. So if you do ever consider opening a small business, which I hope you do, I think every person needs a small business of some type to generate some extra income. I mean, even if it's 100 bucks a month, that's a big deal to, to families. So uh, try to figure out a way to create multiple income streams. And a small business is a way to do that. All right, guys, that does wrap up Chapter 5. If you need anything at all, shoot me an email. Don't forget about the homework, okay? It's due tomorrow night. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.